Once upon a time, there was a podcast, and you're listening to it. Welcome back, folks, to the Through the Eyes of Jesus podcast. My name is Isaiah Leininger. Joining me today, as always, is our good friend Walker Howe. We're so thankful to have you guys here. We're so thankful to be in the middle of season three right now, going through doctrinal issues. And today we're going to be talking about the Lord's Supper. And so to do that, we brought in our good friend Sawyer Reed. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Sawyer, if you don't mind. Hey, my name is Sawyer Reed. Um, I'm a freshman at Freed Hart, or no, I'm a sophomore now, ain't I? I'm a sophomore at Freed Hartman. <laughs> you don't even um, know what grade he is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm a Bible major with an emphasis in apologetics and a history major, and um, I'm basically full-time preaching. Basically. Basically. Yeah. Basically. I'm glad to be here. And you're basically here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah basically here. <laughs> Oh, we're uh, we're glad that you're basically here, uh, and we're thankful for your experiences and your your insight to to help us and our audience really understand this issue. If my voice gives out, I apologize. I've been feeling a little under the weather recently, but we're gonna push through it. Uh, again, uh, we're so glad to have you as the audience with us to to look at these doctrinal problems, uh, to look at these issues within uh, the church that are splitting people, that are dividing people. And we're going to try and just see what the scripture says. So again, today we're looking at the Lord's Supper. Uh, but before we can really jump into that, we need to define the term and define the issue. So, Sawyer, we're going to let you do that. All right. So, the Lord's Supper, also called communion. A lot of people in the church don't realize it's also called communion. They feel like communion's like a Catholic thing or something. No, communion is a universal um, term. Or at least it should be. It should be, Yes. And it's a very symbolic thing. It's one of, some people call it a sacrament, um, something that we as a church are commanded to do in God's New Testament and his revelation. Um, it's, a, it's a little bit controversial as to what exactly communion is. Um, for example, you look at um, transubstantiation, which is a Catholic belief. It's something that the the bread that you partake of the blood that you partake of which or the um juice um fruit of the vine that you partake of the the uh, bread literally becomes uh the body of christ it is literally the body of christ um then the blood is or the uh fruit of the vine is literally the blood and that's what catholics believe and it does sound a little bit pagan in, in nature, to be honest. Uh, you look at ancient Roman history, the, yeah, they were, they were basically cannibals, and we see that a lot throughout time. <laughs> and that, that, I don't think that's what Jesus meant whenever he tell, tells us to eat of his body and drink of his blood. Um, then you look at Lutherans believe co-substantiation, which is whenever the bread goes into your mouth, it turns into the body of Christ. Or whenever you drink the the fruit of the vine, it becomes the blood. Now, that just sounds a little bit weird to me. <laughs> but the, the reason, or the, the theory, or the explanation that we believe is the symbolic meaning behind it. That the bread symbolically means the body of Christ. And the uh, fruit of the vine symbolically is the blood of Christ. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point Sawyer it's it's not a uh, it's not a literal thing it's a symbolic thing it's it's supposed to represent something uh, 
And of course, what you, as you pointed out, what it represents is Christ's body and his blood that was shed on the cross. And so when we partake of the Lord's Supper, when we have our communion and our worship services, what's really happening is we're remembering the reason that we're Christians. We're remembering the fact that Christ died on the cross for us. And so when we do that, we partake of that remembrance ceremony and we proclaim his death and more importantly, his resurrection until he comes back. That's definitely right, uh, Isaiah. And, you know, we, we take this uh, we take this Lord's Supper, this communion, um, that, like we've said, that we can use it as a memorial for the New Testament, but it was also instituted so that we can have a time to reflect to ourselves, to reflect on all the blessings that we've been blessed with, and to reflect on the sacrifice of Christ. Uh, we have in our notes John chapter 6, verses 41 through 59, so if you want to go ahead and turn over there, we'll, we'll consider this passage and see what takeaways we can take from it uh, in regards to defining the issue of the Lord's Supper. Um, does someone else want to read this, or you all want me to read it, or what? I have all a few right. comments on it, but you can okay. read it. All right. John 6, beginning at verse 41, said, The Jews grumbled uh, about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is it not th this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will uh, all be taught by God, everyone who has heard uh, and learned from the Father comes to me. Not let anyone who has seen the Father accept me who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of, li I am the bread of life. Your father ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that they eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread... He will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is in my flesh. The Jews uh, then dispersed among themselves, saying, How can this man give, his, uh, give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink of his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks in my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks of my blood abides in me, and I in him, as the living Father has sent me. And I live because of the Father, who, uh, because of the Father. so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Now, I'm not a uh, uh, too knowledgeable of a theologian or anything. I'm not a Donnie DeBoard. I'm not. I'm not any of the those kind of people. But but I see this as he's talking about the Lord's Supper, okay, or the <laughs> communion. Um, communion is necessary. You have to partake of it, okay. There are people that. Say, oh, I don't have to partake of communion every week. Or there's churches that practice that. They don't have to do it every week. For one thing, I have to ask, why do we, why do we get baptized? Yes, for remission of sins. Secondly, we get baptized 
or we should get baptized because we love God. That's something we should. He he wants us to get baptized. And if we're going to be obedient to him and if we love him, then we would do it. No complaints, no excuses. Same thing with Lord's Supper. He's ordered us to eat of his body, drink of his blood in remembrance of him. And in this passage, uh, to be provided eternal life. And we, um, we should do that because we love God. That's a great point, Sawyer. You know, I've, I've heard it said that, you know, when, when, when you first become a Christian, you know, some of it may be because you're afraid of what might happen if you don't. And while that's not necessarily wrong, it's also not the best place. It, but it is a place for you to grow from. And as, as you mentioned, as we get further along in our Christian journey, we'll really more understand the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross and, and our love for him will grow. And so we'll want to follow him. We'll want to serve him and do the things that he's commanded. And one of those things that he commanded for us to do, like we see in this passage, like we see towards the end of the Gospels, and like we see in places like Acts and 1 Corinthians, is to partake of this remembrance ceremony until he comes back. And every week we're supposed to gather together and have a set time in our worship assembly to say, all right, we're going to stop doing whatever it is that we were doing before, and we're going to take this time in silent and personal reflection on what the sacrifice of Jesus means for us today and how it's going to affect my life. Yeah. It's not only uh, us who should be doing it today um, because this is what Christ said, but we also have history of people who have done it throughout the years. So this is not just a new thing that, we, uh, that we're trying to teach you to do, but this has been something that's been uh, done every week um, by, by many people. Uh, the first century even partook of it every week and uh, we see that as Paul was on his missionary journey um, and he waited in towns uh, to partake of it with the congregations where he traveled um, so uh, now we're going to give it over to Sawyer because he has some things he would like to say about what? <laughs> <laughs> about uh, it says Sawyer ramps on the oh the yeah <laughs> <laughs> alright alright I got you um, <laughs> there's a lot of people, and I've seen it before. They walk into church just to do the Lord's Supper, and then they walk out of church right after they partake. And it's like, it's like this. They time it. They literally time it. That That's not okay. That That's not okay because y- you're... You're, you're not really worshiping, okay? You're just coming to partake of the Lord's Supper. That's not, that's not actually worshiping God, just doing one thing and then, and then leaving. And it, it actually makes no sense to me why someone would do that. Um, like, I understand sometimes people have to leave after Lord's Supper to go do something, or maybe they, they were doing something before. But for the most part, we should be at church. We should go through the whole worship and eventually partake of the Lord's Supper and then go through the whole worship with the brethren, not just leave <laughs> whenever we, we do it. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it all goes down to 
um, your heart. And I think if you're coming in just to partake of the Lord's Supper, your heart's not truly uh, focused on um, really uh, reflecting and partaking of the Lord's Supper. I think at that point, it is more of, I have to do this instead of, I want to do this. Or, um, yeah, Isaiah? Uh, I was just going to say that, you know, the while partaking of the Lord's Supper and, you know, the communion service, that's incredibly important. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the primary reasons that we gather together every Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. But that's not the only reason. Uh, we're also going to be doing an episode with Colin Holbrook later this season about the acts of worship. About uh, why we do the things in worship that we do. Why we why do we sing? Why do we have sermons? Why do we have Bible classes? Why do we, you know, partake of the Lord's Supper? Why do we pray? And and all of those things not only are they commanded for us in the scriptures, not only do we see the early church doing them, but they're important for us. It's not just like you were talking. It's not like uh, like you were talking about Walker. It's not just something that we have to do. Mm-hmm. It's something that we get to do. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think in this country. We've been really, really blessed with religious freedom. You know, uh, even from the very beginning of this country, you know, when we talk about the pilgrims coming over on the Mayflower, one of the biggest reasons that they came to this country was to escape the religious persecution that was happening in England because they were, did not want to be a part of the king's church. So the king said, well, if you don't want to be a part of my church, you can't be a part of my country. And they said, cool, see ya. <laughs> And so they left England and they came to America to be able to really practice their religion the way that they wanted to without the king telling them what they had to do because in their mind the king was leading them astray. And so ever since then we've had religious freedom. That's been one of the biggest things that you know the, the founding fathers fought for. That's been one of the biggest things that have been continued to be upheld uh, even even when the government tries to take away things like prayer in schools or, or things of that nature, this is still a very, very free country to practice whatever religion that you want. Christianity, uh, Islam, Judaism, Buddhism, whatever you want, you can practice that religion. If you don't want to practice a religion, that's fine too in this country. may not be fine in, in all aspects of life, but it's in this country it's fine. The point is, other countries are so persecuted. Other countries, the, the, the churches there are underground, they're silent because of the fear of what will happen if they're found out to be Christian. We don't have that same fear in this country. And because of that, we've gotten complacent, we've gotten lazy, and we started taking shortcuts. And we started saying, what is the most that I can get away with uh, not doing? We started asking the question, what is the least amount of work that I can do and still call myself a Christian? And we shouldn't do that. Because being a Christian is not just showing up on Sunday morning for half an hour, eating a little bit of unleavened bread, drinking a little bit of grape juice, and heading out the door. Being a Christian is a full-time commitment. It's not a part-time job. It's a full-time job. It's a 24 7 uh, commitment to God. And I think that's part of the reason that the church is struggling so much is because we've stopped emphasizing that. We're trying to put one foot in the world and keep one foot in the church, 
And, and the Bible says we can't do that. We can't be on the fence about God. We've got to give God our all. Amen. Amen. Now, there's three things I wanted to mention. Now, because I, I think I have early onset Alzheimer's, I could forget <laughs> one of them. Um, I do it all the time. You're only how old? You're <laughs> I am 20, and I'm forgetting <laughs> stuff like crazy. But it's the first, firstly, um, if someone does just leave service right after they partake of Lord's Supper, they only come in for the Lord's Supper, I really have to question their love for God. Just like if someone doesn't want to get baptized, but they still claim to be a Christian, I have to question your love for God. If you're not singing in church, but you, you still call yourself a Christian, I have to question your love for God. Because if you loved God, you would be doing all of those things, every single one. John 4, uh, 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Yes, sir. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, yeah, you're good. Gonna mess up his Alzheimer's. Yeah, yeah my, my second one, I forgot it now. Um, <laughs> I'm sure I'll remember it though at some point. Um, my third point though was we we have to look at. Uh, some people will say, "Well, why can't we have? I don't know. Give me a food: steak and Coke." Rich crackers. No. <laughs> uh, steak and Coke. I'm a big steak fan. I can eat steak all day. Steak and Coke, though. Well, we see in the New Testament it is commanded unleavened bread and fruit of the vine. Or wine, but they didn't drink actual wine back then, so... Basically fruit of the vine. <laughs> and that's pretty, uh... Pretty, uh... Laid out before us, what right. it should be. Going back to your first point, I completely agree with you. Uh, you know, when, when someone says, well, I, I'm a Christian, I follow God, but I don't want to do this specific part of it. I, I agree with you that that kind of brings into question their love, their commitment for God. Uh, and obviously, we don't know their hearts, right? We're, we, we're not the eternal judge. Uh, we are not the ones who knows all, and that, that's only God. Only God is the judge. Only God can see into men's hearts. But I agree with you that from the an outside perspective, the the people who we may call pew warmers, <laughs> I agree with you that you know it, it it appears that they are not dedicated as they should be. You know, Paul said, I believe it's in Colossians chapter three and verse seventeen, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. Some people won't even want to sing the name of the Lord. Some people won't want to partake of the remembrance ceremony for the Lord. And I don't, I don't understand that. But I also know that there are some things that I struggle with that they don't. And so I think it's important for us to remember the fact that, yes, it does, from an outside perspective, look like they're not as dedicated to God as they should be. But it's also from an outside perspective and we need to make sure that we're taking care of the log in our own eye before we take okay. care of the speck in someone else's eye. I think it's also worth mentioning. Um, some people do not want to do the Some churches don't want to do the communion every week 
because they feel like if they do it every week, it will become less um, valuable to the recipients of it. I, I have a huge problem with that, all right? Because if you... It, it's not It's not communion's fault that people in the audience are not approaching it the right way. It's the person's fault for not approaching it the right way. Not the communion's fault. Not the person praying's fault. Not the person reading the scripture's fault. No, it is your fault for not... And and this is something that we're all guilty of, okay? I'm not going to act like a Pharisee and say that I've never dozed... Or not dozed off. I've never slept during service. Um, uh, I've never wandered off during Lord's Supper. My mind's wandered off because, of course, it has. But... (laughs) There... But we we need to be trying to do that a lot less. And if we do, it's our own fault. It's mm-hmm. no one's fault but our own. And so we really need to work on our attitudes towards communion and towards what God has commanded us to do in all aspects of worship. But I feel like it happens most during uh, communion. Well, like you said, that's no, I mean, my second point. <laughs> that whoa, that was the second that was point. the second point. You so I remembered it. You remembered. Let's go. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, like you said, that that can happen at any point during the worship service. You know, if your mind's not focused on the words of a song when you're singing it, if you're not focused on the words of the scripture when it's being read, if you're not focused on the the things that you know someone is saying from the pulpit, then you're not focused on God, and that's that's why you're there. Uh, and I certainly in the same boat as you, Sawyer, that my mind can wander during the Lord's Supper. Uh, or during any part of the worship service. And so I think it's important for us to remember the importance of worship and to remember why we're there. Uh, You know, during the the Lord's Supper, if if you're more concerned about checking your phone, you're more concerned about, uh, you know, whatever it is that you're going to do when you get home from church, then you're missing the point. Right. The point of the Lord's Supper is a personal and private reflection on the death of Christ. Our whole minds should be focused on Christ in that moment. Our whole minds. Nothing should be wandering in. Absolutely. And, and our whole souls, our whole heart, everything needs to be focused on Christ. Absolutely. And I think in order for us to do that, we have to prioritize what we're doing. We have to say, this is what's important. I'm going to focus on this right now. And then later I'll come back and, and work on this. You know, all, all of us are, are college students, and so we're you know, taking a bunch of classes and we have a bunch of assignments, and there may be a, a bunch of assignments due throughout the week. So what we should do, what we don't, we don't always do this, but what we should do is say, well, all right, so this is due first, I'm going to work on this. <laughs> this is due next, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on that. And then... I should do this, that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Me too, me too. And so we need to do that in worship as well. We need to say, all right, we're doing the Lord's Supper right now. That's my first uh, priority. That's of utmost importance right now. So everything else I'm going to put to the side. I'm going to push to the, you know, put on the back burner. I'm going to focus on this right now. Even other parts of worship. Let's say we're in the Lord's Supper. What we're thinking about the last song that was sung. That also needs to go to the back burner. Well, I mean, unless the song is about the Lord's Supper, right. it makes you think about the Lord's Supper. <laughs> right. But, th- think, but you're thinking about something that the uh, the sermon was about, or you're thinking about um, a song earlier in service, and those are good things to think about, but not during the 
Think about how long the opening prayer was. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and something that I know that I'm guilty of, and I don't know if it applies to you guys as well, but I assume it does. If I'm serving in worship, if I'm leading singing, or if I'm doing a prayer, or if I'm speaking, I may take that time in, uh, you know, during the Lord's Supper to prepare for whatever it is that I'm about to do. And while we do need to prepare for serving in worship and for leading in worship, like you mentioned, that's not the right time to be doing that. We right. should have done that before yes. services started. Yes. And so I, I think it, it really boils down to we have to put importance on this. Why? Because Jesus commanded it, the early church did it, and it's still expected of us today. And so we need to remove all distractions from us, whether that be our phone, whether that be, you know, talking to other people, whether that be, you know, thinking about what we're going to do later. We need to focus on Christ. And something that I've found that helps me during this is I like to open up a gospel and read the crucifixion account. And I, you know, sometimes uh, what I'll think, if I remember, what I'll do is, you know, the first Sunday of the month, I might read Matthew. Second Sunday of the month, I might read Mark and so on and so forth. And that not only helps me remember what we're doing, you know, but it, it helps me go back through the, the account of the crucifixion. And it reminds me of all the things that Jesus endured on that cross for me and what that should mean for my life. Amen. Wow, that was a good, uh, that was a good little heart session right there. <laughs> and so now we're going to sort of break some uh, bread. Yeah, break some <laughs> break some bread. Uh, now we're going to get into this phrase of breaking bread because you may have, if you've been to church before and you been a part of the Lord's Supper, you may have heard the people who are about to administer the Lord's Supper, who's serving around the Lord's table, say, uh, "This be- uh, we're going to break this bread and uh, in order to remember uh, the Lord's body and stuff like that. But there's been a lot of controversy surrounding this term of breaking bread, and I think Sawyer is going to help us understand this term of breaking bread, and it- is this term an accurate description or uh, or what? You said help. I'm going to rant. Rant. Dearest brothers (laughs) and people on the podcast, (laughs) remember like two years ago at this point, whenever we used to pass around the trays and we all used to individually break the bread off and we we would do all of that. And then COVID hit. And we go to these little plastic containers, all right? And I understand. Oh, yeah, it, it, some of them are disgusting, to be honest. And I don't know what it is. I, I, it does not, it's not unleavened bread, though. Let's just be styrofoam. honest. It's styrofoam. <laughs> except for the ones at Hindo or the ones at Estes at the bigger churches. Here in Henderson. Yeah. Um, I feel like we need to get back to physically breaking the bread because that's what they did. In ancient cultures, they broke the bread and then they put it in their mouth. Is that your rant? What? Is that your rant? No, I'm not done yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> Don't mess with the man. He's got Alzheimer's. Listen. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> we, I don't know... I get it. I get it. Okay, COVID, it can always come back up. Okay, and there's still COVID cases right now. Um, 
I feel like there's some people on campus with COVID, except they're not admitting it, to be honest. Oh, no, no, there's, there's been positives who tested us. Um, They've said that. Um, I won't call any names out, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I get it. But at some point, we need to go back. We need to, because that is, for one thing, it's tradition, okay? And why, why change tradition? I feel like we're about to get into it with uh, later on in the podcast in a few lines. Um, well, why, why change that just because of COVID? And another thing is passing the plate, passing the cups, it, it, it creates a sense of community that you don't get with just putting the styrofoam in your mouth. We, we don't we don't get that with so I feel like we need to go back to obviously it's not my decision it's the elders of every single individual church that make that decision but getting back to that 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 way of doing communion creates a sense of community it's in, because we are all a we're all brothers and sisters in Christ and we are we are supposed to be tightly knit like a family and COVID obviously damaged that. And I feel like we need to we need to get back to that way of doing it. You know, it's interesting when we look at the phrase breaking bread in the New Testament. And depending on the context, some of it does apply to the communion. Some of it does apply to the Lord's Supper. But also, the early Christians spent so much time together. They were in each other's houses, you know, eating meals together. And that's the other half of the, the phrase breaking bread that we see in the New Testament. And so you'll have to look at the context of each time that phrase appears to figure out if it's talking about the Lord's Supper or about, you know, actually just having a meal together. But the point is, like you were talking about, Sawyer, the early church was so connected. They were, they were you know, so in love with God and, and had so much love for each other. And their fellowship was so strong. And yes, COVID has affected us, but we've been trending downward for a long time. Uh, Satan, you know, he's going to do everything that he can to stop us from following God. And if he can't stop us from following God, he's going to stop us from following God the right way. And he's going to put divisions in the church. He's going to put false teachers in the church. And he's going to try and lead people astray. That's his purpose. Our purpose is to get to heaven and to take as many people with us as we can. And a big part of that is fellowship. It's lifting one another up, is encouraging one another. And that's why I'm so thankful, or at least one of the reasons that I'm so thankful to be here at a school that emphasizes that. And it's not just the school emphasizes that, it's the people. With, you know, the people who organize prayer groups, the people who organize Bible studies, the people who organize singing nights. Those aren't school funded. Those aren't school, you know, officiated. Those are just students getting together because they love God and they love each other and they want to grow together. And I think we need more of that. That can't just be a Fried Hardman thing. That can't just be a while we're 18 to 22 in school kind of thing. That should be something that we carry with us our entire lives. How much better would our world be and our churches be if we all did that more? Man, that'd be great. Um, And I looked up Breaking Bread with a casual Google search just now. And the first thing that pulled up was a documentary called Breaking Bread. And I think it's a uh, spinoff of Breaking Bad, but I could be wrong. (laughs) Um, But we see, uh, I found this article, and I think this, uh, whoever this author is, puts it in a good way. 
Breaking the bread together literally means we're becoming one body in Christ, an unbreakable family bond, not just with one another, but also with God. We're emphasizing community, but we also see whenever we're breaking bread, we are getting closer to God by remembering his son. I just, I just want to point out here, while we're, while we're on that subject, yes, the breaking of bread is very, very important, but it's also not for everyone. And, and let, me, let me clear up what I mean. The breaking of bread is a symbolic uh, action. It's a symbolic memorial for Christians, for baptized believers. Because they, at that point in their lives, they have already recognized their sinfulness. They have repented of that, and they have been baptized for the forgiveness of their sins in, in the water that represents Christ's blood. And so the, the ceremony, the remembered ceremony of the Lord's Supper that is just for Christians. Uh, that is just for people who have been baptized, who have, you know, washed their sins away and now are living for Christ. Yeah, whenever I was a kid, I was singing by my mom in church, and I would be like, Mommy, can I get some of that juice? <laughs> or can I get some of that bread? And I, she's like, nope. <laughs> I just got word from our producer that you need to cite your sources, Sawyer. I need to cite my sources? Yeah, no plagiarism. I just did a casual search. It's still such a oh, I can tell you what website it was. Petiski News Review. There you go. Very credible. <laughs> if we, uh, if we I just remember, I just like the way that he put it. Yeah. Yeah. If we remember, we'll include that article in the uh, in the uh, link down below. Um. But yeah. It's only for baptized believers. I don't get why a non-baptized believer would want to do it. Because it literally has no meaning to them. Right. If you want to do it, then huh, how about you get baptized? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, obviously it's not like something bad's going to happen if you're not a baptized believer and you partake of it. It's a little bit of unleavened bread and a little bit of grape juice. It's not going to do anything. But like you said, when they're not baptized, that takes the entire meaning be, uh, behind the Lord's Supper out of it. That you know that removes the the purpose of it, and so you know if if there's a visitor in your congregation, if you know if you're passing the the tray down that pew and they decide, you know they don't want to stand out and uh, and be different than everybody else, then if they want to partake of the the Lord's Supper, then by by all means you know why not? But it doesn't mean anything to them. It doesn't mean the same thing to them as it means to people who recognize what Christ did for them on the cross. Now you're talking about tithing with Andrew, right? So we don't need to get into that? No. Good. <laughs> yeah. that, that'd be another 45 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that, that, is, that is an interesting point to at least briefly reference, is, is that we, we set apart a time every Sunday morning to do the Lord's Supper, right? You know, whatever church you go to, they're going to have an order of worship. They're going to have a schedule. And, you know, what, regardless of whether or not they do Bible classes first or whether they, they do Bible classes after worship, whether they have four songs and then a prayer and then the Lord's Supper, or they, you know, whether it's they have a sermon first and then the Lord's Supper, whatever. Each church has their own specific schedule and, and their own way of, of uh, partaking of the Lord's Supper. And as long as they're still using the emblems in the correct way, there's not a set schedule, right? There's not a set worship schedule. And, and something that Sawyer was, uh, at least I think what he was mentioning, is that 
when we partake of the Lord's Supper, usually, and this isn't always the case, but usually uh, they take that time as well to, to tithe. Uh, and so, but, but like you said, that's, that's a different episode, different day. Uh, but stay tuned for that one. Uh, that, that, that'll be a good episode as well. Yeah, that'll, that'll be a good one. Um, you know, we were talking about earlier about people who were, uh, who may be mistaking the Lord's Supper for the wrong reasons and different things like that. And our wonderful producer reminded us of a verse in First Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 29. For he who uh, eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And so that's a good verse to keep in mind whenever we're uh, talking about um, mistaking the Lord's Supper or taking it in a manner that's not acceptable to God. If our heart's not uh, set on God and it's not set on the Lord's Supper whenever it's supposed to be, then we may be taking it in an unworthy manner. Isaiah? I think it's important for us to consider the context of that verse. Okay. Uh, so Paul was writing to the church at Corinth, and the biggest reason that he was writing to the church at Corinth was because they had a lot of issues. They were doing a lot of things that they should have been doing, and they weren't doing a lot of things that they needed to be doing. And so Paul writes to them, and he's, he's trying to help them get through these issues, trying to help them you know, be doctrinally accurate to the Word of God. And so one of the things that he focuses on is their worship. And the Corinthian church did not have an orderly worship. Uh, something that he talks about, I believe it's in chapter 12, is <clears throat> they were trying to use the uh, gift of tongues in a way that was not uplifting, in a way that was not edifying or, or helping anyone in that worship service. And that's kind of what they were doing with the Lord's Supper. They were doing it in a way that wasn't helping them. They had removed the purpose from it. And, uh, and some of them, they were even thinking that, oh, we go to church so we get to eat. And fellowship meals are great, don't get me wrong. <laughs> But there's a big difference between a fellowship meal and the Lord's Supper, mm -hmm. right? The Lord's Supper is not supposed to fill you up physically. Again, it's a small piece of unleavened bread and a little bit of grape juice. That's not going to, um, that's not a meal, right? If anything, it makes you more thirsty than it does actually. Right, right. I mean, it, it, it's not the point. Right. Fellowship meals are to fill you up physically and also spiritually with, with the fellowship of, of one another. The Lord's Supper, its purpose is to fill you up spiritually, to make you remember the fact of the sacrifice that Christ made. It's sad whenever churches have more fellowship meals than they do communion. Ooh, that's a good point. That's a really good point. All right. Well, it seems like we've hit on these last two things that we have listed here in our script uh, or in our skeleton outline, whatever you want to call it. Um, is there anything else that we want to add regarding these things? Do we want to talk any more about uh, those who seek the Lord's Supper, um, forget the original intended purpose, or um, the, the comfortability um, thing that we have listed here? Is there anything else that we want to add to those things? Or I think it's worth expounding on the comfortability thing a little mm -hmm. bit. We talked about earlier in the show about you know people almost timing when they come in and when they leave. Uh, Walker, I think you, you were telling me a story one time about uh, a family that you know 
that would literally come in right as the Lord's Supper was starting and would leave right after it left, right after it was done. They knew the Lord's Supper started at 1048. They'd be there at 1047, hit the Lord's Supper, and then out the door afterwards right before the lesson began. If I was the preacher, I would have made my sermon a little bit longer. And then they would have to. But but the you know the point is they that, wouldn't have been there to hear. It. Yeah. <laughs> but but the point is you know, and like we were talking about earlier, we are so comfortable in this country, and I think that's one of the reasons that the gospel isn't spreading. When we look at the early church, especially around Acts chapter eight, mm-hmm. we see that Saul and many other Jews were persecuting Christians. And so Christians were fleeing Jerusalem. And what did they do? They took the gospel with them. We're so comfortable in this country, and I think that's a trap that Satan is playing on us. We're so comfortable, you know, and, and it's, it's gotten to the point where we don't want to disturb anyone else's comfort. I mean, it cannot be that way. And so when we, when we see someone who may even come to church, but they're not doing the right things. We say, well, you know, it's not really my place. You know, I don't, I don't think that I'm the right person to talk to them about that. You know, who, who am I to tell them what they're supposed to do? They're right. You're not supposed to tell them what to do, but you can show them what God has said. And when you refuse to show someone who's erring what God has said about what they're doing, then again, I have to question not only your love for God, but your love for other people. You know, if I was making a mistake, it's not going to help me if you don't show me what that mistake is, right? You know, if I worked, uh, you know, for, uh, for instance, I worked in a barbecue shop uh, the summer before my freshman year here at Freed. I had no kitchen experience whatsoever. I don't know why they hired me at all, but the point is, if uh, they did not show me how to fix my mistakes, especially early on, I would not have grown, I would not have changed, and I would have continued to do things wrong. You know, uh, one, of the, one of the things that I would do a lot is I would, I would get potatoes ready to make into fries. And so I would check for, for spots to make sure they were clean, make sure there wasn't a whole lot of rot in the potato. And then I would clean it off and I would put it in the machine and, and crank it down and it would go through this uh, this filter, I guess, and, you know, the fries would drop into the bucket, and then I would, you know, <clears throat> get the fries ready for, uh, to get, to get cooked. If I, I, I didn't do that right the first couple times. I can promise you that. I did not do it right the first couple times. And so... Did you do it right the first couple times? No, I did not. And so, but what they did is they, they, you know, they took the time and they showed me, you know, this is, this is how you do it. This is how you do it a little bit more effectively. And they did that with a lot of things. And so the point is, had they not shown me what I was doing wrong, I would have continued to make that mistake. We have to do that for our brethren around us. We have to do that for the lost around us. Because if we don't show them what they're doing, uh, if we don't show to them what they're doing is wrong, then they're going to keep doing it. And this is not us, you know, on our high horse saying, I'm better than you. I know what God's saying, and you're a sinner. I, there's so many things that people could do that to me about, right? There's so many things that people could get on their high horse and look down on me for. 
It's not the fact that we're better than someone and that's why we're trying to show them what God says. It's that we recognize that we are also sinners and that we're trying to help someone else. You know, I've heard the analogy used before that Christianity is really just one beggar telling another beggar where to find some food. Three things, and hopefully I don't forget them again. <laughs> Number one, can you make us barbecue? Uh, no. Oh, no. Oh, that would have been so great. I, I only worked there about a month, and I, I didn't work there a ton. Uh, and I, I wasn't very good. Second, um, going back to what you were saying, I remember uh, Dr. Blackwelder um, told us that <laughs> I may have just forgotten it. <laughs> you always forget the second one. It's about I don't know what it is. Okay, but going to your beggar comments. So, uh, there, there's a reason we see a lot in the. I'm, I'm preaching a sermon on Daniel tomorrow, and I think there's a reason that Daniel he always got down on his knees mm. to pray. He he was one of the highest people in that kingdom. He was a he was a special man, all right, and yet he still got on his knees to pray. He still got in beggar stance when communicating with God, and I think that's very um, important for us to. Um, <laughs> could that be? I, I think that's very uh, important for us to do to. Sorry, I'm being distracted right now. <laughs> Our wonderful producer. Our wonderful producer is distracting <laughs> us. Um, but yeah, beggar stance. Um, <laughs> he, he definitely owned chairs, all right? He owned chairs in his palace. <laughs> to put some context to that uh, comment that Sawyer just made about he owned chairs in his palace... Uh, whenever uh, Sawyer was talking about this, uh, our producer commented, could it be that he didn't own a chair? And so, <laughs> he definitely what... owned chair. He got in beggar stance, though, to to pray to God. And that's how we should be with our relationship to God. I'm very upset I can't remember that Dr. Blackweller comment. You probably can't remember it either. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's something about what uh, Isaiah said. Um, oh, boy. I've said a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, just now. We may be spending the next uh, 15 minutes trying to figure out what that is. So. Watch us end this podcast and I remember it. Yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen. Um, but, hey, it's been fun. We've enjoyed the episode, uh, and we hope that you've learned something as well. And we're thankful for Sawyer and his willingness to come and join us because we know he has a busy schedule preaching at all these places that he's preaching at and uh, doing the Lord's work and proclaiming it proficiently. And effectively, um, we're thankful for his studies as he's trying to become uh, Doctor Tabor Junior. <laughs> <laughs> or and, if, and and for those who uh, who are listening to this who don't know these people, I suggest you look them up, listen to their lessons because they're truly fantastic people. Doctor Blackwelder, Estes, and uh, Doctor Tabor. Um, I don't know which congregations he's at. Remind me. Uh, do you know? See, he used to be at one church near my. Uh, house, but he moved. Oh, okay. um, I forgot what the church is. Well, just search up Dr. DeWard. He, <laughs> there's not many of them. So. There's, we also have had both of these men on the podcast uh, before. They're both Bible professors here at Freed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Blackwater came on, and he helped us talk about some of the political uh, arguments that are going on right now. 
It's Ripley. 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 Yeah. Uh, that's the congregation Dr. Gore preaches at. Thank you. And so uh, Dr. Blackwater came on and he helped us look at what the Bible says about cer certain political issues. And then Dr. Donnie DeBoard was on to talk about marriage, marriage divorce, divorce, and remarriage. Yeah. Uh, so both of those were very, very fantastic episodes. Those are both very, very uh, well-educated men and, and men who are very well-versed in the scriptures. So I very strongly suggest that you go and uh, listen to those uh, and listen to all the, the rest of the episodes. Uh, we've, we really appreciate your support. Uh, we really love you guys, and we, we thank you for, for sticking with us and, and being patient with a couple of college guys who are just trying to you know teach what the Bible says. Yeah. Uh, to talk for 48 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's relatively short for us, right? Uh, but you know, if you if you had any questions about today's episode, anything that we said that didn't make sense, uh, feel free to reach out to us. Or if you have a comment about a different episode, or you just want to talk to us, uh, we would love to sit down and talk with you about anything, especially the scriptures. Uh, you can find us on Facebook uh, through the eyes of Jesus. There's also a Instagram page, tteoj underscore podcast. Uh, we also have a website, tteoj.com, and we have a phone number. 731-439-9671. Um, and I also want to add, if you have any ideas for future episodes, different things like that, please send those in to us. We love getting ideas. We love uh, getting your feedback on what you would like to hear us talk about because we're, we're men. We're not very creative. We run out of ideas. So uh, help us out. And um, we would greatly appreciate that as well. Go to communion. Grace and peace to you all. Amen. Uh, if there's nothing further, then uh, we'll close this episode out in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for who you are, for the goodness that uh, is, in, is in you, and for the love that you had for us, so that you sent your Son on the, to die on the cross for us while we were still yet sinners while we were still yet enemies of God. Help us, Lord, to remember that sacrifice that Christ made on the cross for us. Help us to live by that. And, and Lord, help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. Help us to do the things that we are commanded to do and, and to do them for the right reasons. Thank you, Lord, so much for the day that you've given us to speak on your word and to uh, study, your, study your word and to examine ourselves Help us, Lord, to draw nearer to you. Help us, Lord, to serve you better, to, to, uh, to fulfill what you have asked us to do. Again, thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross. Help us to love you and follow you all of our days. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.